Welcome back to Anyone Can Play the Guitar, the podcast where we try to learn every Radiohead song on the guitar in order. My name is Austin Diaz. And I'm Nick Kendallsberger. We are at the end. Well, sort of. We're at the end of the album. We're at the end of the album. We, we have another B-side episode mm-hmm. after this. How are you feeling so far? It's been tougher there's a brief respite uh with the there there where i was like Uh oh this is amazing and i mean i even just kept my guitar in that tuning for a while so i just could sit down and play only that song but man i've not gone back to anything else and then this we'll see i mean this episode was better than maybe the first one but in general this has been a tough season that's to say the least. Um, I will say that I probably played the guitar the most for this batch of songs. I'm pretty excited to talk about a few of these, and I'm very interested to see how you feel, because I don't really have any idea. After I screwed up so royally with We Suck Young Blood, which I thought you would passionately hate, I feel like I don't even know your what you'll like anymore. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for some strong opinions. As I was okay. as I was saying before we started recording, I was at a uh, beer, beer Markt earlier, and so um, I will be freewheeling. <laughs> We're going to hear some unguarded opinions yep. from Austin this week. Yep. No more southern niceties. Let's start with I will. I won't let this happen to my So we sort of have already encountered this song in a different form. We encountered it backwards in a version that eventually became like spinning plates. But this is it right way round, I guess we would say. And it is stripped down to just a guitar and lots of tom. Yeah. Tom's everywhere. And I am here for it. Oh, whew. okay. I absolutely love this song. I had to listen to this album in forever, and there were three songs that I knew without having to think about them too much. It was We Suck Young Blood. This one and one I've... We've not yet gotten to yet, so I won't tell you. Okay, good. I was kind of worried that you weren't going to like this one, but I, you do, and so that's good. Oh, this is, then, a, this is an amazing song. This is, um, once again, kind of an older song. You can hear a snippet of it being played in Meeting People is Easy. Tom says that it was inspired when he was totally obsessed with the first Iraq war. There will be a second one later yeah. on and essentially about a, a missile that goes into a bunker that the u.s said had killed some you know terrorists or somebody it was a weapons they said it was a weapons depot but it turned out it had just killed a bunch of women and children and so he says this is one of the angriest songs he's ever written i mean it doesn't sound angry unless you know that it's supposed to sound angry maybe the the earlier versions sounded a bit angrier but this just sounds ethereal. When Tom layers his voice like that and harmonizes with himself, 
I mean, so there's a bunch of voices here, and they're they're singing a pretty complex harmony. This is not just like, why don't you go in the booth and see what you can do? Right. This is a very deliberate, mapped out harmony, and yeah. it is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. It was sort of fun to learn the song, but it's also, I mean, how do you sing along with this song? Because I have all of the different melodies in my head when I sing along with it. And yep. so, like, do I sing the low part? Do I sing the, like, high part? You know, do I go, like, you know, like... At that point is actually in Brad Osborne's book, where he says, the question from the listener's perspective remains the same. With which voice should we sing along? It seems a little skeletal when you're just singing it by yourself, because you don't have a chorus of toms behind you. Um, it is a very simple song. It is not a hard song to learn. No. But I'm really happy with this version, and I think that they basically have nailed it, because they've tried this song a number of different ways. You know, they had these electronic versions, and they put it backwards, and, and then here they just stripped it down to the essence... And it's amazing. You know, it just requires so much work. It's just, it just gets back to this thing that my favorite Radiohead songs are the ones that just take forever. But then I'm always worried about Radiohead. I hope they're okay. Like, I never, I don't want them to work too hard, Austin, and stress yeah. themselves out. And I wonder if, like, with the voices here, you have the stripping guitar, then you have five toms singing. I wonder if that revelation doesn't come unless they do all of that work. All of the other versions helped inform what is important about the song. Yeah. And so I don't think you probably can't get here without spending, you know, three months building this incredibly complex electronic version that you eventually scrap. What do you think about the L.A. version where there's drums? No, I'm just not, no, that's not, not not so into it. You? After listening to the Hail to the Thief version a number of times, when I first put it on, I was like, oh, this is like they were just making it a little pop song. Yeah. And I was like, I kind of like it. And it is fun to like hear occasionally, but it doesn't hold up as well. Because I tried to put it in my like reordered version of Hail to the Thief, and it didn't work. And so I went back to the old, to this version and I'm happy I did. But I'm glad we have it. I think it just is a little too subdued with the drums. The drums aren't that interesting, so taking them out is not a big deal. Right. And the last part that Tom sings sounds, it doesn't sound as effective as he figured out on this one. No. What is interesting about I Will too is that this is a very stripped-down version of a through-composed song. We also had talked about with Go to Sleep, but this is... So interesting to see them playing with this format because you can tell that they're just getting really tired of verse chorus, verse chorus. It can put a lot of people off. Like it's not a very effective pop song format because you can't get used to things because things never return. There's no repetition except for there's repetition when you're in the specific verse. Right. And then as soon as you get used to it, it goes away, and then it never comes back. I think on this album, they haven't quite mastered it. It's almost there, but it just makes it feel unfinished. Even this song, you want to just sort of rewind it and listen to it again, mainly for that uh, lift at White Elephants, where like the, all the voices kind of come in. 
and Sitting Ducks. If I have it right in my memory from In Rainbows, because I've been listening to it since we started this, they master that where I'm not so frustrated. Like, even with this right. song, I'm a bit frustrated. I'm like, uh, I want more of this or a little bit better thought out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be just terribly difficult to figure out. <laughs> yeah. Because you got to be so excited for what the next thing is going to be. I mean, but it is like, I, you know, if you just look at it at a chord level, I mean, it almost feels as though they're sort of trying to trick us, right? Because you have like the, the little ba- baby's eyes part, right? For the last... Um, you know, I have the G, you have the G sharp, and that's the first two chords of the song. So you sort of expect it to go back, but then they just stop. And, yeah. I, and I don't know if that's clever, hmm. or if they should have had a certain different sort of resolution, so you're not sort of like, ah, like, okay, are you coming back or not? Right? Then it just yeah. feels like it ends. One last thing is, uh, what do you think of I Will or No Man's Land? Uh, I like No Man's Land better. You know what? I agree. Wow. I like No Man's Land. I think that's a pretty great title. Yeah. And... It brings up all these other associations. Okay. All right. All right. Now, now it's time to move on to a punch-up at a wedding. That's that about sums it up for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're not a fan of this song. I, wow, I I think I've not wanted to learn a song less than really this one. Huh? I don't know. I really. I mean, even before I read about that, you know, it was really a response to what some critic wrote about an Oxford show. You can just sort mm-hmm. of feel the grievance and frustration dripping from the lyrics and the music it's like such a response song i know i mean this is like pop is dead (laughs) i don't like these chords i kind of like it (laughs) explain elaborate So, I mean, this is just kind of a groove. I don't think I could call it funky because we're talking about Radiohead here. But it it's pretty fun to like... I think what makes the song for me is just Tom, his lyrics are just kind of hilarious in that he seems really bitter about this, but it's like, it's not really a big deal. <laughs> I think he does a really good job of expressing like a specific moment, you know, someone just ruining something just because they can and they're not thinking of other people. Do I think this is a great song? Absolutely not. But it is such a different mode for them that I am so I was always so surprised when it came up because it doesn't really sound like anything else in their catalog. But it also sounds really old somehow. 
It really feels like a late 90s song, especially with the piano like that. I don't know how you call that. Like, I really don't like this riff. If you can even call it that. Like, it, it is pretty simple. It's not like a, a complex riff at all. I don't find it catchy. But these are all kind of weird chords too. Though. Yeah, but I don't, usually I like the weird chords, but like, the only one I like is maybe A minor nine, a little bit. I don't even know how to play that chord. Yeah. How do you play an A minor nine? Not any way that you can switch to quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how do you make your fingers do a diamond pattern on a chord? I mean, I just, I just like barred my index finger. So I wasn't trying to like hit that one. Yeah, I mean, this is 100% a song that they kind of feel probably shouldn't have been on the album. You know, after this album comes out, they say some pretty hilarious things about Hail to the Thief in general. Yeah. About how they wish they had taken more time and how it doesn't... We're in a mood and they were feeling confident and, you know, Ed was like, we're starting to swagger a little bit. And this song always just feels like a... It's not a difficult song at all. And it just kind of feels good. It makes me happy when it comes on. I well, I mean, I, I don't like the lyrics. I think they're just like too on the nose. You had to piss on our parade. Yeah. <laughs> you had to shred our You had day. to ruin it for all concerned. I mean, like that's like in an email. If I thought it was more of a parody and you didn't really mean it, then I would find that hilarious. To like ruin yeah. this for all concerned line. But I f feel like he just means it too much for me to not then find it horrible what i like about it is that it has a very spontaneous feel to it and it feels like they're all there and that's what i kind of love about this back half of the album there's a a liveliness to a lot of the tracks that that feels good especially after the first part i can understand that but like i as i think i talked about with sail to the moon sometimes i don't like when they're just all working as a band together they get into yeah. like more jam bandy territory and i'd want them to avoid that but see i like this song so much more than sail to the moon like oh no i mean like i don't like either song but i would take sail to the moon every day <laughs> well i don't know if there's any reason we should keep going here. i don't know i think we, we have should. to talk about the second title this is the worst second title of all of them i think right no 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 no, 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 no. Yeah, it's just bad. I mean, it's more, it's, it's more honest. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's keep going okay. then, and uh, let's get to mixematosis. This riff is really fun. This is a really hilarious bass riff, essentially, where it just keeps kind of falling back on itself. I mean, it's a pretty Radiohead song. The title is based off of fatal viral disease that were introduced by the government to kill rabbits? Yeah. This is weird. So it was like a pest control thing, but it would cause the rabbits to, like, 
kind of go crazy. And I think the music really like follows that. But the like, yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> it is a fun. It's really fun. I like this song. I mean, you know, it's not like uh, and they like this song because they play it live constantly. I can imagine at a concert, even if you weren't a big hell to the Thief fan, like this is an immediately recognizable riff. And you know that the song is just going to hit hard the whole time. And that's, fu- that's yeah. fun at a concert. Um, the lyrics are pretty great. The mongrel cat came home holding half a head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Proceeded to show it off to all his newfound friends. He said, I've been where I liked. I slept with who I liked. She ate me up for breakfast. She screwed me in a vice. It's like a children's rhyme. Right. Almost. It's a picture book story. Yeah. I'm sure that exists. I meant to look it up. That somebody's made a picture book of these lyrics. <laughs> if not, we should get on that immediately. So, I mean, it's not a hard riff, but it is it is bizarre. It doesn't repeat in the way that you think it would and the and the way that Phil is playing. So the backbeat is is grouped into threes. And so the rhythm also, like, even though it's in technically in 4-4, four, four, like, mm-hmm. everything is a little strange about it. There's basically three notes per measure. So it's like they put 3-4 four, in 4-4 four, four, and, like, just stretch the notes a little bit. When I was thinking about a metaphor for it, it was like when we used to have a, all the societies used to have, like, a lunar calendar. But that doesn't really work for a year for most places or for most people. And so they have, like, a sun, a solar calendar. Lots of times, like, especially with the Romans, it was, like, just a lunar calendar on top of a sun solar calendar, and it didn't always work. It's, like, all these lunar names with solar dates and stuff, and so they ever, they, everything got confused, um, which is what I feel like this song happens. I mean, like, in a good way. Oh, that's a really good way to put it. And then we also, the chorus, essentially, all the, the bass stops, and it's just drums, and they repeat the lyrics that were in Cut Tooth. All right. I love that idea that they would hold on to these lyrics, even though they let the, you know, Cut Tooth go and released it as a B-side, but they're still repeating like that. He couldn't get that lyric out of his head. Yeah. And I think it works really well here, like even better than it did in Cut Tooth. True. Ah, I mean, because it's sung so differently. Right? It's a totally different way he's singing it. Because, like, yeah, so in Cut Tooth, he goes, I don't know why I feel so skinned alive. Yeah. Ah, this is so much better. I mean, because the way you sing it, you don't even really pay... The way he sings it, you don't even pay attention to the lyrics so much. It's just like uh, his his voice becomes almost another percussion instrument. It's almost like he hides it that he's repeating from an earlier song that only really diehard fans are going to pick up on because only they were listening to the B-side. Yeah, no, I, I think this song is great. I wish it were just earlier in the album because it really gets things going. Yeah, why is this not two uh, or three? It's just crazy that a song like Backdrifts is so early mm-hmm. in the album. Oh, Backdrifts. Um, I totally forgot about that song already. Right? Isn't that so weird? It's, I was putting together, I was like writing down the names of the songs and I forgot, I just left it out. And I even sort of defended the song during that yeah. episode. But you, ju- I just totally forget it. And then, uh, okay, so we got to do the other title. So it's Mixomatosis or Judge, Jury, and Executioner. No, Mixomatosis. Mixomatosis is the best yeah. title. That's an amazing title. It's the best title, title, I think, on the album. 
I love it when he says it towards yeah. the end. I got mixomatosis. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's time to move on to Scatterbrain. It's hard to get through it sometimes, but I really like this song a lot. Playing it has made me appreciate it far beyond anything I thought about this song. I th- I always liked it. It's it's a really beautiful song, but learning how to play it, this one just totally floored me. I mostly agree. Okay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have all these nice things to say about Scatterbrain, so I was hoping that you were... Um, the okay the only thing it. that I would be different is that I didn't I didn't like this song. Oh, you used to not like it. Okay. I just thought, I found it sort of slow, and I was like, nah, let me just go to the next song. Especially after Mixomatosis. That is I true. I mean, the sequencing does not help this song, and so I didn't really that pay attention to it, and if I did, I didn't like it that much, and this, coming back to it, Wow. Yeah, it it's stunning. I love everything that I read about this song too. Yeah. Apparently Tom has all these quotes about how he says he loves like really windy weather and he loves going out in a gale force wind <laughs> and getting blown around. It just feels like you're caught up in this atmosphere. Yeah. And you kind of feel that you're insignificant or alone. But that kind of feeling of being in nature is very therapeutic. It it creates for me sort of a similar atmosphere as the trickster, like way long ago. I mean, it's a bit of the same chords, even like like the chords are not anything really different. I like how they play them. Hail to the Thief in general is like if you're just trying to go by the chord book, you're gonna be lost. I mean, like you can't if you're not listening yep. to the song or if you're not looking up another tab. Especially with this song, like, exactly the notes that they're picking through, you're going to be lost. So it's all the, like... I played that oh my goodness. so it's... much, and I love the part where it goes... The... Yeah. Yeah, it's so pretty, and, uh, you know, hearing live versions of this song, I sent you yeah, one this... version... I was just floored. I like. I couldn't believe that this was. I I guess that just because this is the this song gets lost on this album. Putting it after Mixmatosis is crazy, um, because it, it's a very almost feels like an adult song, <laughs> like a mature Radiohead right. song that they could only have done when they were older. After, and they put it after like two almost joke songs. I mean, Mixmatosis is not a joke song. Punch Up at a Wedding is definitely a, a yeah. joke song. Mixomatosis is like halfway, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're in the middle of English, you know, landscape literature. <laughs> <laughs> it is very, I mean, it has a very like, you know, classical music too yeah. kind of feeling to it. Probably because of the way Johnny's playing. Johnny on this album, I he really makes a number of these songs yeah. and the way he plays. And But 
when you listen to the live versions, you hear how Ed is Ed's parts really add texture mm-hmm. to this song, especially at the end because he's playing the really high yeah. notes. I think what's frustrating to me is that they're so good at this point. If I was in a band that was going to cover this song, I'd be nervous the whole time to hit one wrong note, right? Because you hit one <laughs> wrong note, it doesn't sound good, right? And like the way the way that they play it yeah. live, it's just they're hitting that note with they're hitting those notes without any anxiety. Yeah, this is a yeah. I mean, I think you're totally right. And what they've what they have been doing really well is never getting away from this idea that they perform these songs live. A lot of bands, once they get super popular, all of a sudden they got like 20 people on yeah. stage. They got two extra people playing guitars. They have, <laughs> you know, the backup singers. And, you know, Radiohead can pretty accurately play a lot of yeah. the songs live without it sounding empty. It's a very modest song, and I think that's why mm-hmm. I like it so much. You know, I don't think this is the song you use to convert people to Radiohead, or maybe you do. Maybe this would be a good, like, someone who thought they were juvenile or something to see something so beautiful like this. Is that, but is that is that the, the complaint about Radiohead, that they're juvenile? I would almost say that this is exactly the song you don't use. You know, if, if their most popular song is Creep, so we forget that's that true. sometimes because... We love Radiohead and like creep means nothing to yeah. us. <laughs> but like that's their most popular. Still, song. <laughs> I was watching. Yeah, this is, you can cut this out. But like I was watching this um, document, this Swiss documentary on like SRF, the Swiss like CNN or what? Well, a bit more like the Swiss BBC. It's better comparison. It was like about this um, elderly communities in Florida, where they're like just taking over Florida and like turning them into these like really sort of dystopian but like pleasantville places that are just sucking up water Mm -hmm. not that interesting but the yep the final scene is that they're like one of their elderly you know fun nights like all these people that are retired and it's karaoke and the the karaoke is creep and the guy's singing (laughs) creep and then that's like the final credits is this guy's cover version of creep and people were rocking (laughs) out i mean like these elderly people were like into it um, yeah, the only other thing with this song is um, there may be a connection to Thomas Pynchon. How do you feel about... Have you read much of his stuff? I've read more than maybe I want to say. Let me think. Okay. I've read, I think I've read everything. He doesn't have that many books, I guess. I think I've only read one of them. It's... Gravity's Rainbow. Did, did I read the... That's a that's a long that's a big one. There's Gravity's Rain. Maybe I read the one before that. What's the skinny one? Uh, the Crying of yes, Lot Forty Nine. The Crying of Lot Forty Nine. Crying of Lot Forty Nine. Yeah. So I've read that. I've read Gravity's Rainbow, Inherent Vice, The Bleeding Edge, uh, Against the Day. I mean, I, I've, I've sort of soured on it. I still like it, okay, but I wouldn't go back and read any of his books now. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's go. I'm glad we uh, both enjoyed that song because that's one of the. It was really nice to get to a song like Scatterbrained after going through this album, where it's just like a little yeah. gem kind of thrown in, not make it too big of a That's deal. also challenging and still fun to play. It was challenging to play, but I really loved it. Like, I spent a lot of time working on it. Okay, what is this, the second title? The second title is Scatterbrained, As Dead As Leaves. I like, oh, I like As Dead As Leaves. I feel like that fits to the song hmm. better. 
I like Scatterbrain, but I, they're both pretty good. All right. It's the last track, Austin. We made it. It is a wolf at the door. Drag him out your window, dragging out the dead, singing I miss you, snakes and ladders, flip the lid out, pops the cracker, smacks you in the head, knives you in the neck, kicks you in the teeth, steel toe caps, takes all your credit cards, get up, get the gunch, get the eggs, get the flan in the face. So, Nick, we've come to the third song that I could remember without having to think about it, because I listened to this song a lot. <laughs> This is rightly considered one of the best songs on the album, I believe. Um, but how yeah. did it how did it feel to learn it? Um, well, as I expected it would be. I expected it actually wouldn't be hard. It sounded like the easiest one. I just had to figure out what you know, like just to figure out what those chords were to pick through, and then it's not the drums make this song. Okay. Not the guitar part. And the singing, I guess. But we can get, come back to that. Yeah. I did listen to this. I mean, I would just listen to this song and not the rest of the album when it first came out. I really liked this song. Yeah. I don't really anymore. <gasps> you don't like this song anymore? Uh, I, oh, I think I listened to it too many times back then. Okay. And I think I already started not to like like it that much back then oh like back when it came out yeah i mean learning it and playing along with it i liked it again more but i just think that it's sort of this oasis of catchiness in an otherwise desert i mean I, it kind of shares that same thing with there there where all of a sudden it gets really pretty and you're just like whoa what was that okay i'm gonna let's let's go for it i feel a little disappointed i loved this song i thought i loved it i like it a lot it's a very good song i think that you're right the drums really are crucial because they're amazing and tom's yeah. delivery of the verses is hypnotic and so unexpected i just think it's it's kind of brilliant the music was created by Johnny, and it's once again based on the Tristan chord. So it yeah. has that feeling of not resolving <laughs> mm -hmm. um, during the verse. And I think it's really well done. It's probably one of those songs that just needed a little bit more time. This should be like one of their best closing songs. You know, it has this dr dramatic buildup, but the transition from like the verse to the chorus always just feels rushed to me like it doesn't quite work you just get a verse chorus and then you just get tom going whoa don't know whoa <laughs> yeah for you know and that's the one of the best parts of the song is that instrumental part but it feels like maybe he just didn't think couldn't think of anything to put there and maybe it sounded terrible with stuff there i don't know the second verse is amazing Walking like a giant crane, and with my x-ray eyes, I strip you naked. Um, Stepford wives, who are we to complain? Investments and dealers, investments and dealers. Cold wives and mistresses, cold wives and Sunday papers. City boys and first class don't know where we're born. Just know someone else is going to come and clean it up. It just feels so venomous. And it's, uh, you know, people have called this like Tom's 
rapping, which is not even a little true. It sounds much more like John Lennon or Bob Dylan letting the words go. And I think he just nails this that, that final verse. I mean, it is very good. It, ri- it reminds me a bit of like late stage Cheever, like John Cheever. Yeah. Short story or like early DeLillo. Yeah. This song just reaches, like has such amazing highs that I can never turn my back on this song. Like I refuse to. I do agree though that like it just doesn't, something doesn't, it doesn't quite connect. It's like a half finished painting or something. It's so close though. I just feel like We Suck Young Blood like just commits to that style of music. Whereas like this starts out as like a Carnival Funhouse song, but they don't, then it becomes something else. But like the Carnival Funhouse part doesn't ever really go away. Like that instrumentation is there the whole time. And like this unresolved Tristan chord is there the whole time. Like, yeah, it just feels sort of in between. Like it feels like either they should have had an intro with that and then sort of change the arrangement a little bit. So we're more in a, modern day rock pop alternative song yeah or committed to like no we're we're going total like house of fun house of mirrors here <laughs> somehow like the drums are just too good for that i just feel like this should have been a contender you know like this could have been one of their best songs and so i feel a little disappointed now having learned it and that's sad I have to say, I mean, I like it a bit better having learned it again and just going through it. There is a, like energy to this song that is undeniable that I really do love. I mean, I know that there was a reason that I really liked it and there's that I listen to it all the time. And it is because it is a good song. I think personally, I just got tired of it and it wasn't completely revived my appreciation of it through this process. I knew it wasn't going to be that hard, but I didn't know it was going to be this easy. It is pretty easy. I mean, because after, because other parts, other songs in this album are just much more challenging. Like we were just talking about that A minor nine. Like, how do you even make that chord? <laughs> you don't have to worry about any of those chords here. No, you don't. I mean, I do like how high his voice goes at the end. Yeah, I do and... too. I mean, and I like, I do like the chorus. Um, I think it's it's really a beautiful part. I just wish they. The parts don't fit together as cleanly or as as precisely as I would want, maybe. Yeah, I, yeah, you know what? I didn't really notice that, but like now that you said it, and it is just like they're mashed together. They're usually quite good with at least one instrument, like the bass or the drums or a guitar, like has a line that sort of stitches the things together. I'm thinking about like Paranoid Android, right? Like the transition, but you know, from the what's that to that. Like on the recording, they have that the one that one note is is held over. Yeah. Right. Like it echoes, like it's with the first part, and then it echoes over into that riff, and so that's not an abrupt transition. But you don't have that here on this song. You don't have any instrument or or vocal like because his vocal he just starts singing <laughs> abruptly. Huh. That's a good point. But yeah, I mean, I think this gets to the idea of what. Hail to the Thief is, it's decidedly not an album where they obsess over little details. The only song that I think really feels like that is They Are There. Like, that's where all the details are really well thought out. And the payoff is massive. And the payoff is massive. (laughs) 
you know that's that's the thing i mean i uh, we've talked about this so many times like maybe i'm happy that they just put this album out but i almost don't want them to have put their there on it you know like make it shorter and take out those songs that they actually worked on a long time and save them or put them on like a stellar you know b-side collection but not mix them with you know Songs that are fun like this, Wolf at the Door or Mixomatosis or, or what else did I kind of like? <laughs> like, <laughs> like we sung young, we suck young blood, you know. Like keep it with those. The, the songs were like when you're reading about them, they didn't seem to take too much time with them. I mean, because then it's just it's not fair to they're there, and then they're there is not fair to the rest of the album. <sighs> But without there, there, I don't know if I would have made it through this album. No, I, I mean, like it revived my like love of music, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I just like I read this these quotes where um, with a Nigel quote of he's like I just didn't we didn't figure it out. He's like that's the most disappointing Radiohead album for me, which makes me suddenly kind of very interested in King of Limbs because. It seems like they did obsess about things there. And I just hopefully will be able to recognize it this time. Yeah, because um, I did not then. I did not. I still, yeah. And I haven't listened to it in years now. Okay, well, we got to do the other title. Okay. So it's A Wolf at the Door or It Girl Ragdoll. It Girl Ragdoll. I'll go with that one. Okay. Wolf at I the like Door is the... Yeah, I mean, but like, it's also, you've heard that before, right? I mean. Well, we still have another episode to oh, do. Oh, man. Oh, do we? Yep. We're going to basically do the Comb Lag EP. Com Lag EP. How do you pronounce that? Comb, Com. I guess it would be Com Lag EP. Com Lag, I think. Com Lag. Is that in reference to anything? Not that I, not that it immediately comes to my... We'll have to learn that. Okay, so there's a few like live songs and remixes on there that we don't need to worry about, but we do need to cover Paper Bag Writer, I Am a Wicked Child, I Am Citizen Insane, Gagging Order, and Where Bluebirds Fly. Great. (laughs) All right. All the songs on the Anyone Can Play Guitar podcast are by Radiohead and performed by Nick Kendallsberger and Austin Diaz. 